0: The 12th of April, 2007, episode 73. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay.
1: Let's take a look at the starting lineup.
0: It's been a little while since we did a mixed bag episode. And there are some random thoughts, some good ones that I've been brewing up over the past couple of months. So today we're going to discuss a few different subjects, some that deal both directly and indirectly with our careers in the field of design. One piece of news that probably everybody should be interested in is that we're going to have some more giveaways very soon. Um, It's actually going to be some software. I'm not going to give away all the details just yet. But just be ready and definitely be listening to every episode so that you don't miss it because you're going to want to enter these because uh, the prizes should be very good for, for most people unless uh, you have the software already. But even if you do, it's a good bundle and uh, maybe you could just sell it to somebody if you want it. Anyways, we're going to have some giveaways coming up, some more contests. Uh, you know, the contests are never too hard anyways, usually just for me to get some uh, feedback from you guys. And I found that the best way to do that is to actually offer something up. And uh, that usually gets people uh, off their lazy duffs and into the contest. So uh, probably the next month or so, in a month maybe, or the next few weeks, we're going to have some giveaways. And uh, I'll let you know when that is going to happen. Uh, One piece of news that I read today that I thought was pretty cool is the new Photoshop Extended. Now Photoshop is coming in a couple different flavors this time in CS3. There's the standard one, and there's one called Extended. And we, we discussed this before, but Extended allows you to bring in 3D objects and actually w- what you would call skin it. And skinning means that you bring it in and you actually create some kind of texture to put on the outside of it. So when I was in my 3D class, we did a, uh, we did a character for a, a 3D game, some kind of gaming thing, and we actually had to flatten out the skin of that person, bring it into Photoshop and paint it up and then take it back in and put it in there. So I'm not exactly sure what this new thing does, but what I'm thinking that it is, is you can actually bring the 3d object into Photoshop. So you wouldn't have to flatten out that skin. You just bring in the 3d object and be able to paint it that way, which would be very, very good because uh, when you flatten things out, it tends to distort things when you put them back on the actual model. So, Anyways, that wasn't the news. The news is that it's actually going to be uh, it's going to be compatible with the format .kmz which is from Sketcher. And I did point out Sketcher before, but Sketcher again is from Google and it's a, a 3D it's a very light 3D application. It's it's not as robust as as something like Maya, but it does get the job done. It does allow you to make 3D models that are pretty good and even better. Now that you can bring them into Photoshop, you'll be able to paint them up real nice. And uh, if you if you know anything about 3D, you'll know this. If you don't, uh, a lot of it is in the texture. A lot of the things like bumps on walls or ridges, those things aren't actually modeled into the 3D model. You use the different shadows and, and stuff in the painted textures that go on top of that to actually make it. So, uh, very exciting stuff there, and that's that's pretty cool. There actually is a free version of Google Sketcher. There also is a pay version, so maybe you can uh, mess around with the free version and be able to bring it into Photoshop and, and do some things that maybe you, you wouldn't normally be able to do, so that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, other than that, the regular things. Please tell a friend about this program. Uh, tell anybody that you think would be interested in listening to this. Uh, tell them about Quick Tips for Designers if you watch that one. And uh, just spread the word for me because, again, we don't have the money to advertise, so this is the way we get the word out. And also the email program. Still going on. Still using the same email address from last week. It is editorial at comarts.com. Again, that's editorial at comarts, C-O-M-M-A-R-T-S dot com. And that is for Communication Arts Magazine. And I ask that you just send them a nice letter about Ricky Designer please let them know that it is a podcast called rookie designer and maybe even throw the URL in there so they can go check it out. Just tell them that you think it's a good resource or or whatever you want to tell them to build up their program and hopefully get something written about us. Um, I'm also looking for suggestions for, for the email program. If you have any websites that you like that you frequent all the time, or if you have, uh, magazines that you read that you think maybe we could send something to that would be appreciated. And uh, we're just going to try this for probably a couple months more at least and see if anything comes of it. If not, then uh, maybe we'll abandon it because I haven't heard anything yet. But uh, keeping hope alive. The last thing I have for you is uh, our sponsor. Our sponsor today is GoToMeeting. And they're actually having a special right now. You can try their software for 45 days for free if you go to gotomeeting.com podcast. What is GoToMeeting? It's an application that allows you to host a meeting. And you host meetings with people that are, generally they're not going to be in the same area as you. They might be uh, you know, in another office. They might be in another country. But the good thing about this is you can share their screen. You can share your screen with them, or you can share their screen. And uh, you can actually show things to them. And you can do it online. It's very easy. Uh, the person on the other end, if they're not going to participate then all they have to do is log in in a browser and they can watch it. Uh, a cool thing about it, though, is if everybody's online with the application, you can actually pass the control so that they can use their keyboard and mouse and they can actually do something as well. So very, very cool technology. It's got a low flat fee and... Uh, basically lets you meet as much as you want. You don't have to worry about how many minutes your meetings are going because you pay once and you get to meet as many times as you want. So again, you can check out the free trial version of this for 45 days. Just go to gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. Check it out. So I had a few random thoughts, and uh, you know, I, I really hadn't found anything lately that I, I thought I could do a whole podcast on, so I thought it'd be nice to throw in a few different topics into this one and just kind of have a little discussion about them. I recently had my cousin in town, and that's really what sparked this. Uh, the first conversation that we kind of had was talking about knowing the rules of how to do something before you can actually go and break those rules, and this This was something that just came up because uh, my cousin is actually a woodworker. Uh, He's, I guess you could call him a carpenter of sorts, but he uses all kinds of different uh, old school tools that people generally don't use anymore to make very fine furniture. He has very high high profile clients because his stuff is so unique and so expensive to make that only rich people can afford it, which uh, can be nice for him, but can also be annoying. Uh, He runs into the same problems with uh, annoying customers, you know, and people with lots of money tend to be that way. So um, we had some nice conversations about the different things that he faces. But one thing that we were talking about is knowing the rules before you can break them. And this is something that I heard all through my video production classes. And my teacher would always give the example of someone who right off the bat thinks that they can go out and shoot something whether it be indoors or outdoors, shoot something without lights and think that it's just going to be okay, that whatever available light that they have is is just going to work. And while it is possible to do this, you really have to know what you're doing to be able to do that. And this kind of goes along with everything, everything that we do. You have to know what you're doing before you can know how to get around it and maybe cut something out that's really actually supposed to be there. Now, this brings us to the topic of amateurs versus pros and really the way that you can tell the difference between something that was created by an amateur and something that was created by a pro. And that's really what separates us and that that's really what makes our our profession go. You know, if there wasn't that much difference between us and the amateur who just buys a program and and lays something out, then we'd be out of a job, wouldn't we? Or at least we would be making 15000 a year instead of, you know, whatever we make. So this is a, a pretty important topic. And this is where it all comes down to it. You really have to know those rules to the game. You really have to scrutinize every single little detail about what you're doing because you need it to be professional. You need it to be better than somebody who just buys their application and throws something together. Now, this these are some of the things that we learn in school, some of the things you may learn by reading books. But these are these are the things we have to keep in mind because the big thing these days is everything is becoming very readily available to consumers. Probably the biggest example of this right now would be photography. Mostly everybody has a digital camera these days. And sure, lots of people had cameras before, but it's a difference when somebody can take their digital photos. First of all, they can take as many as they want because they can see right away if it's a good photo or not. If it's not, they just throw it away. Or even if they don't throw it away, people have cameras that can shoot and hold up to you know 300, 500 pictures. Now, not everybody knows how to go through and get those pictures off and make sure that they're decent quality, but some people do. Some people like me, I'm not a professional photographer, but I can make photos that are pretty good because I know how to take them onto the computer afterwards and maybe adjust a couple of things that I couldn't do right during the shooting process. And, you know, there's all different kinds of levels, but there's people that are, you know, major novices that can actually get them onto the computer these days and make them look pretty good. And as that line between a professional photographer and an amateur photographer starts to blur, and those professional photographers get in trouble, you know? I mean, I don't think that's going to come for a very long time or or ever really because the fact of the matter is if you know how to take a photo and have everything come out perfectly when you take the photo and not have to do any post-processing, that is obviously the best way and it's going to look a lot better than someone who has to post-process. But, you know, things are getting close these days and it's uh, sometimes it's a little scary, I guess. Another example is video, all kinds of uh, digital video now, and with, with the, the programs that are out there these days, the iMovie, the, the Windows Movie Maker, these very light programs that are very easy to use, actually iMovie too it, it is a very simple step into Final Cut Express, some of the stuff is very similar. And then they can take these movies and they can edit them how they want. They can even put them on a DVD and watch it on their own TV or give it to their relatives and have them watch it on their TV. It's getting to the point where people can do basically things that maybe 5, 10 years ago they would have had to pay for. It wouldn't have been available to them. They would have had to have somebody edit their videos or maybe if they were even able to have a system where they could edit video between two VHS tapes, they would have to take it to somebody to have them put it on a DVD so that they could watch it on their TV. So things, lines are getting blurred here. Uh, Things are getting much more tight for people in our profession. So that's why we need to make sure that there is that distinction between the amateur and the pro. On the pro side, we know everything about what we're supposed to be doing. We know all the rules. We know all the details that need to be uh, accounted for so that things look professional and they don't look like just your average Joe made them. Uh, this kind of thing has actually been going on in the realm of desktop publishing for quite a while. You've been able to desktop publish for a long time. Uh, Word, although not the best desktop publishing program, people have learned how to manipulate things in there and do some pretty uh, pretty decent stuff. I'm not going to say that it's good because I don't think you can really make something good out of Word. But you can do a lot of stuff. Actually, a lot of features have been built into applications like InDesign from people that move over from Word and want things like uh, automatic, automatic listing with bullets and that kind of stuff. I, I really think there's no place for that in a professional layout application, but some people want that stuff. So that's why it gets in there. But uh, you know, it's these rules that we know that are in place and little details as well that make our stuff turn out better. Things like making your the point size of your bullets a little bit smaller than the the point size of the type. That's something most people don't know about. Making sure that, you know, fractions turn out the correct way or copyright signs or things like that. You notice in sometimes in Word, you make a copyright sign, it's as big or bigger than the point size of the type, which that doesn't look right, right? You know, that's that's not how things are supposed to look. It's those little tiny details that we have to keep in mind. And this all goes back to knowing what you're supposed to do and then maybe you can do workarounds and get around, maybe cut certain things out that are supposed to be there. And uh, Another good example of this as well is uh, comes from a class that I've actually been taking recently. I just started taking a, an advanced course in, uh, not advanced, I guess, uh, accelerated is the right word. It's just we meet eight times for like three and a half hours each time, but it's on uh, JavaScript. Because, of course, I've been using a lot more scripting and languages and stuff since I've been in the web job. Another very good example of you really need to know the theory behind everything. Because my my teacher is just constantly preaching about the fact that people get in there. First of all, you go to websites. And, of course, you can look at the source of websites and you can see how people put things together. And he says 99% of the people that use JavaScript don't know how to use it. Or they use it a certain way because they think that's how it's supposed to be used when really it's not uh, different rules apply to certain things. And it lets you do certain things, but that's not necessarily the right way to do it. So, you know, knowing the rules and knowing what can and cannot be done or why things happen the way that they happen is really going to allow you to take those shortcuts and maybe, you know, knock off some things that don't necessarily need to be there. And uh, you're not screwing anything up. You're not making something that's... That's uh, that's wrong, I guess. And one of the most interesting things that he showed us, and I'll share this with you because I think it's I think it's insane. But uh, for those of you who don't know, there is a capability of going into your browser and turning off JavaScript so that you don't see anything that uses JavaScript. Basically, it doesn't read any of that script. And if you go to, I believe it's ford.com, it's the Ford dealership website, like the main one, not a particular dealership, but the main Ford motor company. If you go to their website, and again, I think it's Ford.com. Uh, I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes. If you go to that one and you turn off your JavaScript and you refresh it, what you'll see there is pretty amazing. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. You got to go do it because it's it blows my mind that the way that they constructed their website if you turn javascript off it just it's it's so it's just unbelievable that a company that large would do something like that and really put themselves in a bad position so that'll give you a little uh, intel into what's going on there but uh it's very very bad stuff so again you know just knowing the rules knowing what makes things the way that they are why things are put together the way that they are, why there are certain rules and what those rules are. Those are really going to help you out. And once you know those, it gives you the power to maybe go above and beyond and maybe uh, uh, get around some of those things. The next topic I wanted to go through was something that I've been seeing quite a bit on the forum. Uh, There's been a couple of strings about it, and that is finding jobs on the web. And this is something that's, You know, everybody tries it because I think just about every graphic designer out there or designer out there will at one time try to do some work on the side. Why not? You know, you got a little free time. You can make some extra cash for yourself. Uh, It doesn't seem that hard, right, (laughs) until you actually get into it and have to deal with customers. But, you know, it's, it's readily available to you because you have the skills and hopefully you have some kind of software at home and a computer that you can use. So everybody gets into that mode and they say, okay, I'm going to go look on the on the web and see what I can find out there. And there are some good sites for this. Um, some sites that I've mentioned before, Craigslist. Craigslist.org is a place where you can find lots of odds and ends of jobs. It's not always the best place to look, but there is constantly jobs up there, depending on which market you're in. There's not a whole lot in San Diego, but if I go to the one for like San Francisco or LA, something bigger, there is just tons of, of jobs every single day. Uh, another great one that I think I mentioned before is Creative Hot List. And uh, this is actually part of Communication Arts website. And this is a very good one too. And the, I actually recommend going to sites like these instead because these people specialize in our field. So all the jobs that you find on there are going to be some kind of creative service. They're going to be marketing. They're going to be you know, directing art directing, that kind of service, or graphic design. So, and they have all different levels. They have junior, uh, senior, and whatever's in between that. <laughs> and there's all kind of web design, all these kind of things, everything. So I really think those ones are the best ones. Go to these big, uh, the ones for the magazines and, and just general graphic design websites. A lot of them will have job boards, and those are good ones to look at. Craigslist, a little bit different. Craigslist does split it up, so they split it into arts and media, and I think there's one for video and film or something like that. So those are the ones I usually check. Um, The difference here, though, is the people that are posting. There's people posting from all different industries, but there's also people posting from all different levels of professionalism, all the way down to some kid who shot some video and he wants help editing it. You'll find ones where people want you to come over to their house and and spend two hours with them and show them how to use Photoshop. You know, there's all kinds of odds and ends on here. And, you know, if you're ready and willing to do these things, then that's good for you, I guess. But uh, it all depends on what you want to do and also who's offering the job. It can really have a big, big difference on what you're going to encounter when you try and, uh, you know, apply for these jobs or contact these people. Some people are very unprofessional I think I've said it before, but I actually sent in something for, for somebody on Craigslist. It was uh, basically laying out a book in InDesign, laying, about, uh, laying out like 50 pages or something like that. And the guy called me back and he said, oh, yeah, you want to do this? I said, sure, yeah, sounds good. And he says, okay, I'll be giving you a call back later this afternoon. And uh, I never heard from him again. <laughs> and the, the bad thing with Craigslist is they give you this kind of uh, – Fake email, which is only up there as long as they have their post up there, and it's not guaranteed that they're going to answer it again if you email them a second time. So you really have no other way to contact them. It's it's uh, it's advantageous to them, I suppose, because you know they can't have too many people bothering them. If they want to, they want to hire somebody, they can call them. But it's kind of bad on our end because you know you can't keep contacting this person and say, hey, you know, I've, I really wanted this job. Is it still available? You know, and do that persistent thing that you should do. Both of them can be kind of iffy, though. By both, I mean Craigslist and something more like Creative Hotlist. It really just depends on who is putting that job up, who you're coming in contact with, and it's really just a crapshoot. You know, I mean, sometimes people are going to be professionals. Some some of the jobs on Creative Hotlist are going to be very big corporations that are well-versed in interviewing people and hiring them. Some of them are very small ones. And I think I was supposed to talk about this now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I just had a, an experience. I applied for a job on Creative Hotlist. And I got a call back. And it was a small agency. The guy called me. Actually called me and didn't get me the first time. I called him back and we talked about it. It's a small agency, very close to my where I live. They do all kinds of stuff. Uh, they're a small agency wanting to get a little bit bigger. They can, they've been kind of booming with their with their uh, their work lately, their workload. So they want to add some more to their team. They had two designers already, a marketing person and a director or something like that. So he calls me and he says, yeah, we're looking to add an, another designer. And then maybe down the road, a couple months, another designer after that. He says, we do this, this, and that, which was mostly print, which of course is my specialty. Some web stuff, they wanted me to know web, which I know quite a bit now after being in my job for a while. And he said there was potential even for some kind of multimedia and video stuff down the road, which was exciting for me. This is exactly what I was looking for though, right? Uh, he, We talked a little bit about the responsibilities that I have at my job and that kind of stuff. He asked me how much I'd like to make, and I told him that, which... You know, If they ask you, that's that's fine. You're definitely allowed to tell them. In fact, a lot of places won't even interview you unless you tell them how much you want to make, which is good because you don't want to waste their time. They don't want to waste your time if you're going to be thousands of dollars apart on what you want to make and what they're actually going to offer you. So that was a good thing. Uh, I told him, and he didn't sound too surprised. Although, uh, actually, let me tell the rest of the story. He says, okay, let's set up a meeting. Uh, I want you to come in early next week. Uh, Let me get in contact with the president of the company and a couple of designers because I want them to be there in the meeting. I said, okay, that sounds okay. And he says, I'll I'll be sending you an email. And this was on a Friday. So I never got the email on the Friday. The next Monday, I sent an email in to him, although it wasn't directly to him. It was just through the main email, info at whatever.com. But I addressed it to him. Heard nothing that whole week. So I called him back again on Thursday or Friday. Went straight to his voicemail. And I left him a message saying, you know, I'm still very interested if this uh, job is still available. Just never heard another thing from him. It's been a few weeks now. And this was a company that sounded like they knew what they were doing. This was something that was posted on Creative Hotlist. So you just never know. That's that's the bottom line here. You can't get upset Because people don't get back to you or people or it seems like you're getting no hits on your applications from certain websites because you just got to plug away. You got to get you got to really get hundreds of applications out there, which sounds pretty bad. But you have to put that many out there to start getting some some people sniffing around and really get some offers coming your way. Now, I tend to get offers, you know, a little more easily because I've been in for five years. I know print and web and video and all this other stuff, too which actually is going to bring us into another topic a little bit later. But I, I hear people going up here and they've put out all these resumes on Craigslist and they're just bummed. And they're like, am I ever going to get a job? And I guess the main message here is just keep plugging away because it takes a long time. And there are a lot of unprofessional people out there. You know, I, I thought this was going to be a great opportunity. I, it sounded like a great company to work for, but if they don't even have the, the common decency to call me back after offering me a meeting, and telling me, you know, we filled a position, so, you know, maybe we'll consider you for the next opening, something like that, anything at all. Leave me a message, send me an email. As impersonal, in, impersonal as that might be, at least I know that there's a reason why the person didn't call me back. When I don't get that reason, now I start thinking things like, hmm, was my salary too high and that's why they didn't want me? Uh, did he go look at my website and he thought my stuff sucked? You know I mean these are the thoughts that start to go through your head and you really can't let it get to you I mean this is gonna happen a hundred times over hopefully less but it's gonna happen a lot of, a lot of times and you can't really dwell on it you just gotta say whatever move on to the next one and uh, try your best with that new opportunity and learn something if you can from from the prior one
1: the keys to the game.
0: Our key command for today is in Flash, and this is to open the Actions panel if you want to write some some action script, and this one's a good one because it's the same both in Mac and PC, and you're going to be pressing F9, and that'll bring up your... if you're in Windows it's a little bit different because the window sits there all the time, it's just closed, it'll pop up. The one I like it for because I use the Mac is The fact that it's kind of floating around so i always use this key command to bring it up because it'll just pop up in the middle of my screen and when i'm not using it i need to get it out of the way so that's the best way to do it so once again f9 for the actions panel in flash another topic i was speaking to my cousin about was uh learning from others versus learning from your mistakes and this is a big one too. My cousin actually runs the the wood shop that he works in. He gets people to work for him. We we're having this discussion because you know, he has these people come in and, you know, woodworking isn't something woodworking is an art as well, of course. It's not something that just anybody can pick up. They have to have at least some kind of skill. But in addition to that, he does a certain kind of woodworking. So even if you have basic woodworking skills, you're going to have to learn a lot of things. You're going to learn how to do certain things a certain way. And again, that goes back to knowing the rules. Now, basic rules of carpentry can be something, but, you know, when he starts tweaking them and doing the certain things that he does, if you don't have that knowledge up front, then you're going to be in trouble. So we were kind of talking about that. And I said, you know, coming from my standpoint, as you know, I've pretty much worked alone my whole career. I've been that one person in the office that does what I do. Nobody else knows what I do really. Uh, I work with marketing people, that marketing people generally don't know squat about design. And this is something that you'll learn very quickly if you work with marketing people. Uh, being alone, though, I think really in some ways was harder, but in other ways really benefited me in the long run because I ended up learning from things that I did wrong a lot. And learning from your mistakes can be very good. Now, those of you that might have managers or directors or somebody watching over maybe not every step you do every step you take but at least being able to oversee most of what you do you're not going to be allowed to make some of those mistakes and i think that you know in some ways that can kind of hurt you because when you learn from mistakes it helps you to remember not to make that mistake ever again especially if it's a big one that makes you lose a couple of hours things that i've done that have messed up a whole project and made me lose hours of work i never do that again because I know that it sucked the first time. Kind of like the, the thing that I just did with my computer and uh, having it not turn on again and knowing that I had files on there that I hadn't saved. That's not going to happen again because I know the anguish, anguish that I was going through when it actually happened. So there's things like that. Again, when you have the manager, they can't afford to have you lose those couple of hours because they're paying for those couple of hours. And they're not going to make you make those up for free just because you made a mistake. So thus, they're not going to let you make that mistake. They're going to point it out to you. Now, that can be good too, of course. But like I said, it really hits home. It really sticks with you when you do it to yourself. And now you're paying the price by having to do something over again. Uh, Probably the biggest lesson people learn when they start doing design uh, by making a mistake is not saving often enough. Somebody will be working on something and you'll just get caught up in it and you'll work for Half hour, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour, and then the computer dies, the power goes out. Something happens, and you didn't save for that last hour. That's something that happens to, I'd say, pretty much everybody, you know, even if it's just 10, 20 minutes of work, sometimes that can be, you know, something that maybe you can't even duplicate the same way again. So you know, these are the things that really teach you to remember certain things that you need to do. And they teach you the hard way, but they teach you in a way that you're not going to forget. Uh, Now, mistakes, making mistakes and learning from them can be costly. And that's why those managers, those directors aren't going to let you make them. If you uh, have a typo in something that you're printing 10,000 of, that's, I don't know which is is better, you know. Is the lesson learned better there? Or is it better if somebody tells you before you actually do that and cost your company, you know, 10,000 printings of something? That's obviously a situation where you probably don't want to make that mistake. Although that's probably one you would never forget because nobody would ever let you forget about it. And that's why we always go over to the, uh, you know, make sure that everything's ready before it goes to the printer. But, uh, you know, that's an extreme example of that. Now, learning from others can be good. But in my opinion, it's really the best if it's on a hands-on, if it's in a hands-on way. If somebody is just showing you how to do stuff, you're not really going to benefit that much from watching. You really have to get your hands dirty, you have to get right in the middle of it, and I think you have to get into it and have somebody leave you alone with it. Because that's when things are going to happen. That's when you're going to run into problems and not know what to do. That's when uh, advice from other people is going to be more beneficial to you. Because once you've been in it a while, you can use tips that they give you to do things more efficiently or more quickly. You can use the workarounds. If you get into a certain problem, here's the way you can get around it. It might not be the best way to do it, but this will help you out with the problem that you're facing. Those are the kind of things that I think are better to learn from people rather than just you know, straight up and down how to do something. The best way to learn how to do something is to do it yourself. And that's why we always say make up some projects for yourself. Do this stuff in your free time. You learn a lot at school. And you learn processes and you learn how to do things. But sometimes there might be a little too much coaching. So make up a project on the side. You know, Take a weekend and, and do a project that only takes you a couple hours. But do it all front to back, all yourself, and try and figure out the problems that you had doing that and the challenges that you encountered. And that's something you can take back into school and ask your teacher. Or if you have a mentor, ask your mentor. Or if you have a manager, ask your manager. These are things that you can learn from and that's the best way to learn from it is to uh, experience it yourself and really run into those problems. And that's probably the best way to do it because, again, it's not on company time. It's not wasting somebody else's money learning a a mistake the hard way. But it's it's a good way for you to make those mistakes and learn from them. Another thing I wanted to bring up just kind of quickly is legal matters. And legal matters can be a a very bad thing for us sometimes. I actually just got an email from a customer today. I was working for a company that has just recently split into two different companies. There was some, I don't even know what happened. Some kind of thing went down and they did not want to be associated with each other anymore. So now there are two different companies. Well, I did work for this company when it was two companies as one. And now One of the companies is trying to, they sent me an email basically saying, we didn't get all the files from this project. We're the ones that paid for it, not that other, you know, company or not that other half of the company, which is another company now. So we need you to send us those files or you need to give us our money back. Now, obviously this puts me in a bad situation because, you know, how do I know who paid for it? Now in this position that I'm in right now, I was working with a marketing person too uh, that person basically told me, don't do anything yet. This is going to go to court. They're going to hash it out and see who actually owns this stuff. And then, you know, we'll, we'll figure out what to do. But basically, the the main point of this is I use a contract. And I always stress using a contract when working with anyone. If you're working with your brother, you're doing some a job for them, make sure you use a contract. I mean, you really have to be able to trust somebody to not use a contract. But just if anything happens like this, it's really going to cover you because I have a contract for this thing. Um, I have it documented that they paid me a deposit, which was half of it. They didn't even finish this project, so that's why they don't have the files, and that's also why I haven't been paid in full. But really, the fact that I have a contract and somebody signed it means that they still owe me money. Yes, I still owe them work, but they still have to pay me money. Now, if I, didn't have that, if I didn't have that contract in place, basically they could say, I paid for this already, I don't have the files, and I would have to do free work for them, finish up that project and give it to them and get absolutely nothing back in return. Because that contract is in place, yes, I might still have to do the pro- finish the project and give them the files, but even if I do that, they still have to pay me the rest of what I'm owed, whether it be company A or company B. I don't really care who gets it you know, that's for them to duel out in court and find out who has the rights to my design. Now, I'm probably not going to be working for company A anymore. Company B are the people that were always getting me to do stuff. So if company A wins my designs, you know, that's kind of bad for company B, kind of bad for me, but also kind of good for me. If they want to continue to use me, now we have to redesign everything because they own those old designs. So uh, kind of a confusing situation and, and not a good one to be in, but Again, having the contract to back it up really makes sure that I don't lose any money. And if it comes down to the fact that they're canceling the project, I keep their deposit. That was in the contract. And they cannot recoup that because they signed off on the fact that if something happens and the project is canceled, then I actually get to keep that money. So same moral here as ever, cover your ass, use the contract because it'll get you out of a jam more times than none. That's for sure. Now, something I thought of, actually a a client just called me right before I started recording this. And I I thought of this as well, because in my early days of talking to potential clients or clients on the phone, it's usually on the phone because we're just starting out, just starting to talk about a project. I, I remember myself sometimes saying words that probably shouldn't have come out of my mouth. You really have to be over-enthusiastic when talking to these people, and there's there's key words to use. You never want to say things like, I think so, and this is the kind of stuff that would come out of my mouth back then. Uh, Can you get this done this weekend? Uh, I think so. Don't ever say, I think so. It's either yes or no, or it's, I need to check my schedule, and I'll be able to tell you tomorrow. You know, if you don't know something right away, don't ever say, I don't know. You never want to be sketchy on, on things like that. So things you want to say, sure, absolutely, definitely. Yes, we can do that. But you always want to keep in mind that you want to be very confident, but you don't want to forget to under-promise. You don't want to over-promise. Don't promise them the world if you can't deliver it. Promise them less and come through with more, and that makes you look good. But always, always keep that attitude very positive positive. Uh, positive that you can get things done, that you're very confident in yourself and your abilities, and that's going to make them feel better as well. Never these kind of, eh, well, I don't know, maybe. You know, you don't want to ever do that kind of thing because people will, you know, they won't call you back. And if they haven't offered you to, offered you that job already, they're probably not going to offer it to you. So just something else to keep in mind there.
1: Now that's what I call a review mistake.
0: The rookie tip for today is to try not to fall too far behind in applications. And this one comes to mind because I, I was just thinking about, I actually just ordered my CS3 suite, uh, some new applications with lots of new tools and, and new functions to them. And you know it happens maybe not every year, but you know, pretty much every year and a half or two years, new stuff is coming out. The things that you use all the time coming out with new versions. And I know it completely sucks because you can't, you can't and you don't want to totally break yourself by trying to buy every single application that comes out the day that it comes out. And you might not want to do that either because if you start working in something new and things have changed, then that could actually hurt your workflow if you don't know where things are now. Now generally they're not going to totally revamp things to the fact where you don't know where it is if you've been using the version below that. But, you know, things like that have been known to happen, especially with smaller software makers. But generally things like Adobe, they're going to keep things very simpler simple so that if you've used the previous version, you know what you're doing. Now, what I say when I what I mean when I say don't fall too far behind is they're coming out with CS3 which you know what? I don't even know what version that is. 7, 8, 9, is it 10? like Photoshop 10 or Photoshop 9 or 10, I believe, you don't want to be using Photoshop 7 still, or 6, or 4. Jumping from Photoshop 7 to CS3 is going to be a lot harder on you than if you kept up with them. And again, you know, you don't you don't always have the money to buy it, but you really have to find it where you can. A very good place to find it is the free trials. Free trials you can use for 30 days. And sometimes that can be enough just to maybe jump in there, see what's new about it, use all the new stuff, do some tutorials, and just have that knowledge about what's in there so that when you do jump up to that version, you're able to kind of pop in there and know a little bit about what you're doing rather than being on a clean slate and not knowing anything about it. Uh, another thing, you know, I I can't, I can't and I won't recommend that you use peer-to-peer to get software but I certainly can say that you know I have done it before. I've used things like that before when I was in school. I've gotten software from other people. It's not legal. Uh, a lot of people don't like it. It's, I, I understand that it's not fair to the software makers when you do that, but I used it solely for the purpose of learning. Also, if you're in school, there are education price things and you can get you know hundreds of dollars off this software, so that's a, something to take advantage of as well. I definitely did, I bought a lots of software and I bought my whole computer system while I was in school because I got very big discounts on it. Uh, joining groups like the National Association of Photoshop Professionals will get you discounts on a lot of stuff. Just do what you can to try and stay somewhat current. You know, being in CS1 when CS3 comes out, that's not so bad. But like I said, being in Photoshop 7 or 6, when CS3 is coming out, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. And a lot of this stuff is built to actually make you be able to work more efficiently and faster. And that's another thing you're missing out on if you're not up to these these higher versions. So try and get yourself up. Again, I know it's not always the easiest thing to do. Being a graphic designer is not always cheap. Um, but it's, it's something you really have to stay up on or people are going to pass you by. And they're going to take your job because they know how to do things that you don't. Uh, Another thing, just real quick, try watching tutorials, reading tutorials. Sometimes if you just can't find a piece of software to be able to use, which that won't be the case because, again, you can do the 30-day trials from Adobe, Um, if you can't get your hands on some software, you don't have a computer to, to use it, try just maybe getting a book so that you can actually read about it and know what's there or watching a video tutorial kind of like I do on Quick Tips, and uh, that'll at least give you a good idea of what's there and and what you can do with that version of the software.
1: Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen.
0: Our website for today is something that I kind of uh, stumbled upon, which happens quite a bit, but basically, you know, if I need to know how to do something in Photoshop, some kind of effect or something, I will just Google it, and it'll give me all kinds of tutorial websites. One that I found that I think is really pretty good is called Photoshop Lab you can find that at photoshoplab.com. Here they have a lot of tutorials and they have just basic tips. Their tutorials are all kinds of different things. Uh, Just to read a few here, there's like a peeling sticker effect, so different effect type of things, things with light. Uh, there's one interesting one here that's website design mock-up tips. A lot of people have had questions about, you know, how do you mock up a website in Photoshop before you actually bring all the images into, you know, Dreamweaver or whatever you're using. So that's a, a very useful thing. They also just have uh, general tips, though. There's a blog with some news in it, and they also have some resources and reviews on different uh, products and websites and things like that. So it's a another useful resource for all you Photoshop users, which there's probably most of you out there use Photoshop. So check it out, photoshoplab.com. Before we get out of here, again, I ask that you uh, tell a friend or tell a stranger about this podcast. That's the way we get the word out. Uh, if they don't know what podcasts are, please educate them a little bit because the more people that get into this the better people like me can do and maybe get some advertising. Like our advertiser that we have today, GoToMeeting. And remember, you can go to gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast if you want to try their software. One thing, I think I mentioned this before, one thing about this software that i uh, kind of iffy about, you can't actually use it on a Mac. Now, you can attend a meeting because you do that through a browser, but you can't actually put the software on your computer and host one. Now, I... I still have yet to actually call customer service and see what they're doing about this. Maybe this is a thing that they're going to wait for Intel max well, I guess they wouldn't be waiting for Intel Max, but maybe they're going to develop it for an Intel Mac that could be the case um, but right now you know it's it's a good product, but you know that's that's a pretty that's cutting out a pretty big slice of the population at least as far as this podcast is concerned so That's my one downer thing about that, but a very cool program. We definitely, we use it at my work all the time and it's, it works very well. Anyways, email program as well. Editorial at comarts.com. That's editorial at C-O-M-M-A-R-T-S dot com. Just send a letter to Communication Arts Magazine and let them know how great this podcast is or how great you think it is. And uh, hopefully we'll get a write-up on that. And of course, that email along with the bullpen, bullpen entry and any other websites that I mentioned during the podcast will be on our blog at rickydesigner.com slash ricky. Now you can contact me with any questions at adam at rickydesigner.com. You can go to myspace.com slash You can Skype me at username titanstrides. Uh, I have decommissioned the number, the call-in number. Wasn't getting much use out of it, so that is gone. So let me just say, if you have called me in the recent past... I may not have received that phone call or that message, so if you want to go ahead and maybe send me an IM through Skype, I'll probably get that, or if you want to send me an email or any of these other ways of contacting me, you can do that, but just know that the phone number is no longer, and if you left me a voicemail recently, I may not have gotten that, so uh, please try and contact me another way. Uh, The best way to contact me and also be able to talk to tons of other designers throughout the world, all Rookie Designer listeners and Quick Tips Watchers, is the forum. So please join that, sign up, and uh, enjoy the benefits of talking to all these people. If you have questions, you can ask them up there and get lots of different opinions. If you want to put up photography or illustrations or your portfolio or any work and get some opinions from some other people, which is a very good thing to do. You can go to the forum and do that, and uh, I definitely recommend that. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for all the emails that I get from everybody and and the nice comments that I get from everyone. And any ideas, if you have ideas about the show, what should be done, what kind of topics, what could be done to make the podcast better, I'm definitely receptive to all that. And I thank you for everybody participating in that way or just participating by listening. That also helps us out. And uh, let me just remind you one thing. Everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.
1: That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high. Wasn't me who said he'd suffer, so you could suffer too. It's too late. I I refuse to man. It took so long for no me to convince you. You're the most beautiful thing in the world. Turns ugly. I've seen it before. It's about time I make you turn on i oh